This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. have been, past tense, sanctified through the body of Christ once and for all. Jesus died once and for all. So the minute that you surrender your life to Christ, the minute that we surrender our lives to Christ, we are saved, we're made righteous, we're justified, and we're sanctified. All that takes place. Isn't that amazing? And you have nothing to do with it. All you got to do is believe. Whether it's due to misinterpretation, malicious intent, or lack of understanding, There are those who still complicate the gospel. One of the most common ways we see this is by what's referred to as a works-based salvation that adds to the work of the cross. In today's message, Pastor Eddie reminds us of the wonderful yet simple reality of the gospel message, salvation by faith. In our study, we learn how salvation, sanctification, and righteousness are all achieved by our faith in Christ alone. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 6 for today's edition of Running the Race. Being a slave to sin will lead to death. Being a slave to obedience leads to righteousness. It's one or the other. It can't be two. It can't be two. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. The enemy's going to lie to you. He's going to say, well, you know, you could serve God and you could serve me too if you want to. Oh, he loves that because, you know, you're going to have to obey one or the other. Or you're going to obey one more than the other. He has no problem sharing you. Because if he shares you, he has you. Period. Bottom line. However, the enemy may want, has no problem with sharing you. God has a problem with that. God has a problem with that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You know, we're betrothed to Christ, the church of Jesus Christ made up of believers, the universal body of Christ, not just this body here, Calvary Chapel of Milford, but the universal body of Christ, every church that professes Jesus Christ, that believes in Jesus Christ, that surrendered their lives, are part of the body of Christ. We are betrothed to him. We are the bride of Christ, and Christ is not going to share his bride with any other. And so we need to examine our lives when it comes to sin or any particular sin. Are we a slave to that sin? Or we're a slave to God? And so this is why we need to examine lives. We need to be careful of what's dominating over us, what's mastering over us. Are we going to obey God, our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, in obedience? We're, we're under grace and that, that uh, obeying Christ that leads to righteousness, or we're going to obey the enemy, the flesh, the world, which leads to death. Verse 17, but God be thanked 
that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that formed of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Thanks be to God. And I love when it says, but thank be to God. Here is the turning point. One time you were a slave to sin, but thank be to God that you obeyed with your heart. The Holy Spirit brought you to the cross. The Holy Spirit tells you, listen, Christ is here. You're empty. There's a void in your life and only Christ can fill it. You obeyed in your heart and, and, you, and you obeyed with your heart. That's why as a free will, God doesn't force you. He knocked at your heart and you let him in. You obeyed with your heart. We are no longer slaves to sin, but now we're slaves of righteousness. Before Christ, and he says, I like when he says, but God be thanked. You believed, you obeyed that form of doctrine. Doctrine means a teaching, an instruction. And what is the doctrine that Paul is talking about here? What is the doctrine referring? Because there's several, many actually doctrines all around. But what is this doctrine? The doctrine of what? Grace, what we've been talking about. You understand the doctrine of grace. You know that you're not under the law anymore, but you're under grace. You know you can't be saved by works, but you're saved by grace. You know it's not something you did or can do, but you know it's God's grace. Philippians chapter 2, we're saved by grace. For you know, take as your students uh, outlining our text this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We are saved by grace, not by works, lest we should boast. That's how we say, but you believe that. And you say, praise God, your heart believed that doctrine. Many people don't believe in that doctrine. It's just emotional feeling and experiences. I, I, I was able to, my wife and I were able to meet a young woman and she gave her life to the Lord. And she wasn't convinced because a while ago she was just told, just say this prayer. We're not saved by a sinner's prayer. <laughs> You're saved by a repentant heart. You could say a prayer, you know, it's like hocus pocus, you know, just because you say something doesn't mean you have to have to be of the heart. It has to be sincere of the heart. You repent and then you you do say a prayer to see this and Lord, here I am. How are you going to surrender? Okay, I surrender, but you want to talk to God about it? (laughs) No one gets married without a conversation, right? The two don't get married and say, hey, we never talked. (laughs) You know, you get married, you talk, you have a relationship, you talk. And so it's based on the doctrine, the doctrine, not works. You believe in the grace. You believe that, hey, no matter what you do, it's not going to get you right with God. It's not the rules and rituals. It's not religion. It's not what denomination you belong to or what church you belong to. It's the God who gives grace. You're saved by the doctrine of grace. Verse 19 says, I speak in human terms. In other words, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand this. So he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So before you presented your body, your, your, your flesh to sin, but now you present your body as slaves of righteousness. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as what? 
a living sacrifice. It doesn't make sense. Either a sacrifice is going to be dead or it's alive. You're a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And now, we present our members as slaves of righteousness, and he says there, for holiness. The word holiness here is mentioned twice in chapter 6, in verses 19 and in verses 22. And the word holiness in the Greek is hagai amios, which means sanctification. So you, if you have a different translation this morning, and sometimes you'll see sanctification there. Present your members as slaves of righteousness for sanctification. The word hagimos is used 10 times in the New Testament. Four times it does refer to holiness. The other six times it refers to sanctification. Twice here. And it comes from the, the root word is agios, which means holy, uh, to be set apart, or, or to be made holy. We also get the word saint from this word. You know, it's not like, you know, okay, because the Vatican says, oh, we're going to sainthood. Oh, look, the Vatican has no power to make anybody saint. Maybe in their own world. All right? Paul writes to saints. When he's writing letters, his dear saints. If the saints are dead, how can they read? He's not referring to you know, the saint on the dashboard of your car, what's on your lawn. Saints are people who are alive. Saints are those who believe in God, who are servants of God, who has surrendered, who has been set apart, who has been sanctified. Those are saints. I remember I had that conversation in my previous job, and I said, oh, according to scriptures, I'm a saint. I said, what? You know, they think that somebody is, you know, holy or, you know, someone is dead already. Someone that's floating in air, you know, some supers, you know, someone has superpowers or something, you know. Oh, he's a saint. Or something that's made out of plaster. No, saints are those that have been sanctified, those that have been set apart. Now, just as you can't earn salvation, you can't earn justification, you cannot earn sanctification. That's something you don't earn. That's something that God has made you. He has separated you by, separated unto himself. We are, we are sanctified the same way we are justified. And so the same way we are made righteous, not by works, not by the law, we're being made sanctified. We're sanctified here. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, it shows that this is something that's already been done. Some people say that it's a process. I'll get to that in a bit. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. It said, by that, he writes, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We have been, past tense, sanctified through the body of Christ once and for all. Jesus died once and for all. So the minute that you surrender your life to Christ, the minute that we surrender our lives to Christ, we are saved, we're made righteous, we're justified, and we're sanctified. All that takes place. Isn't that amazing? And you have nothing to do with it. All you got to do is believe. Thank be to God, you obeyed your heart, and you surrender your life to God. Now, according to God, you're righteous. Not because of things you do, you put on his righteousness. You're justified. Not of anything you've done, he justified you just by simply believing. And now you're sanctified. You're set apart. Now God set you apart. Now you're mine. I'm setting you, setting you apart from the world, you see. Sanctification, some people use that as a process. The Bible says, be holy 
for therefore I am holy. That's what the Lord says. And so it's not to say that you're not sanctified, but you can draw closer and closer to the Lord. And so that's another way of people. But the scripture clearly shows us that we already have been set apart. It's not God said, well, I'm setting you apart from the world for me little by little because I don't trust you. <laughs> you said the prayer. <laughs> you know, you, you said you repented, but I'm not too sure. Let's see how much. Eh, okay, I set you apart, but keep a distance, all right? <laughs> God doesn't do that. Did he ever do that to me? He, did it, he doesn't have done that to anybody who gave their lives to the Lord. He said, okay, listen, this is in portion. This is in layaway plan. This is in, in this installments, okay? You give your life to the Lord, okay? You know, in pro- it's a process, okay? When you get to a certain place, then, okay, then you're completely sanctified. So you see, that's not the way God works. But here's the complete overall process, which is awesome. Justification, sanctification, which we are. And the third one is what? Glorification. When does that take place? No, that's a process. Because glorification is when you and I stand before God in glory when we made it in heaven. We're going to have a glorified body just like him. So right now, we have two out of three, which is great. We have Jesus, that's all we need. But we're justified, we're sanctified, and guess what? When we get to heaven, glorified. I think that's awesome. God is so good. So now, practically, we're still, we still sin. We still fall short of God's standard. We, you know, we, our righteousness is as filthy rags, and that's the best you can do. Still practically, however, technically, According to scriptures, being set aside, set apart, we are justified. We are sanctified. We are set apart for God. We are an enslaved to our master, Jesus Christ. Beautiful, beautiful. Verse 20. He says, for when you were slave of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So when you were a slave to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Verse 21. What fruit? Did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. What does that mean? So, you know, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? You're now ashamed. You look back. You say, you know, before the cross, before I was justified, before I was sanctified, before grace, I was in sin. I was under the law. And you look at your life that you lived before the cross. How many of us can look back now and say, wow, I used to do that. Oh, wow, that was my heart. Oh, wow, those were my thoughts. Oh, this is the way I used to talk, and these are the things I used to do. You look at it now, you say, wow, those things are, those things are shameful. Praise God. Thank be to God. I obey the heart that I have now, because of him, oh, I'm no longer in that. I'm no longer a slave to those things I used to do. We look at it, oh, man. And you know why? And if that's the way you look at it, it's shameful, praise God. Praise God. Because now your thought and your heart and those things are wrong. That's healthy. That's good. It'll be a problem if you're still in it, you see. It'll be a problem if you still practice it. It'll be a problem if you don't think it's wrong. You know, that's how I like to align my life, my thought, my attitude, my views, everything and what I think about. If it's God calls it a sin, it's a sin. Regardless of how much the world wants to be politically correct and call it something else, let the world call it whatever it wants to. God calls it sin. We should call it for what it is. Call it for what God calls it. It's a sin. And it shouldn't be a part of my life anymore. But here, 
we have this new life in Christ. We justify, we, 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 we sanctify. We look back and says, wow, I know I couldn't get out of that. First of all, I couldn't save myself, let alone stop those things. And praise be to Jesus that he has set me free from those things. I, there's no way I could be set free from the bondage of that sin. Of that, that is so ugly. I'm shameful of that. And so that's what he said. We are ashamed. We looked at it now. So it's like he calls it fruit, and that's a good word for it, because it is bad fruit. It is bad fruit, and the result of that bad fruit is death. Is death. But now, you and I are no longer there. We are now producing good fruit. We're producing good fruit. Every single one of us, every single one of us in this room, and again, I'm pointing this as a fact, Every single one of us is producing fruit. It's either good or it's bad. It's either good or bad. So the question we need to ask ourselves, what kind of fruit that is we're producing? Here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verses 17, 18. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear Good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Eternal damnation. You know, sometimes Jesus, he knows how men think and how men are. You know, you got to elaborate, you know. Yes, Jesus, I get the point. And you're paraphrasing. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Obviously, that means a good tree produces bad fruit. And he's repeating himself just to make it clear. And that's what we need to ask ourselves. What kind of fruit am I bearing? What kind of fruit am I in the body of Christ? What kind of fruit is the world getting from me? What am I producing in my life? I'll tell you something. Who's your master? Let's begin there. Who planted you? Where are you putting your roots in? Who do you serve? Who's your daddy? Let's look at that. That's how you find out what kind of fruit you're producing. Verse 22, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit in holiness and the end, everlasting life. Bad fruit, result is death. Good fruit in being sanctified, being holy. It produces at the very end, you've been set apart from the world. It's what? It leads you to ever lasting life. When does everlasting life ends? It doesn't end. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. And so that's some good fruit there. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Those who believe it surrender to him. And here's verse 23, one of the very popular verses in, in the gospel in all of Rome Uh, The book of Romans is verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That is it. That's where sin leaves us. It leads us to death. The law leads us to death. It exposes our sin, our weakness. It exposes and tells us who we are. But thank be to God. Yet you obeyed with your heart. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You are no longer under the law. 
but you're under grace. God doesn't see the law. He doesn't measure you up to his glorious standards. Say, listen, you're failing. You need God. There is no ruler alongside of you to measure that sinfulness. Now you surrender your life to Christ and all God sees is the blood of his son on you. And he sees grace. That's what he sees. And you no longer, now you have this new life. You have this new life. And God is working in your life. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. Oh, we're going to sin. Yes, the battle of sin is forever until we stand before the Lord. I wouldn't say forever, but first season. Until we stand before the Lord in glorification. And all God sees is his son in you. We're going to have that battle. We're going to have it. But don't give in to it. The power it has over you, the power it has in your life, is the power that you give it. Jesus was tempted. We spoke about this last week. It's not a sin to be tempted. Temptation is not a sin. Enter in your mind and you may have a desire to sin. It is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. Hebrews tells he was tempted in all forms. He was tempted 40 days in the desert while fasting, tempted with bread. Satan went up to him to try to tempt him. Temptation is not a sin. Falling into temptation, giving in to temptation is a sin. And so before you even get to, uh, uh, you know, if you don't want to be a slave to sin, don't give in to it. And what did Jesus use when, when Satan tempted him? He used scripture. Scripture. That's all he did. He didn't put up his fists. He didn't put on his boxing gloves and try to fight Satan and wrestle him. No. He quoted scriptures. That's all you got to do. And so... We see here in verse 20 of the wages of sin, and that is living a life in the flesh, will only end up to death. It only ends up to death. The gift of God, living a life in the spirit of God, being a slave, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, ends in eternal life. And so this morning right now, you either belong in two categories. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. A slave to sin or a slave to God. Paul is saying, listen, Christians, that's it. We die to that. That's not our life anymore. Don't give in to it. Don't feed it. You're making it grow. You're making it worse. And it continues to go on in cycle. And you can't do yourself. God is there. His grace. That's where his grace comes in to help you. Not a license to sin, but to help you. God would never put you in a place where you cannot handle. When you cannot, he'll never give you a burden you can't bear. He knows how strong you are. He knows how weak you are. We come to him. He will help us. So we could be set free from sin. Isn't that awesome? Free from sin. All because of what Jesus done on the cross. All because of grace. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the Book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.